everybody. This is Kat. And this is Cherry. And you're listening to Keeping It Creepy with Cherry and Kat. <laughs> yeah. And today we are going to be covering the new Candyman 2021. Yes, which, considering that the plot is like related but different, I'm intrigued that there's no colon. Yeah, it's not really a colon. It's not really billed as a sequel, even though it sort of is a sequel. It is a sequel. It's okay. Where it was a direct sequel to the first one and we pretend the or and we pretend the rest of them don't exist. Yes, because there are other Candyman movies. Right. That but I've never just, seen. I, I I have seen <laughs> I wanna say I've seen them all. Oh um, I know I've I have definitely seen two and three. I've definitely seen Yeah, I think I think there's four. I, don't I think know. there are four. I think the fourth one I did not see or I only watched the opening. Okay. Cause one of them I don't know. One of them, the sequel is actually the Candyman Two: Farewell to Flesh. I want to say is pretty good. That one's pretty good. (laughs) Um, I think the third one I didn't much care for. Oh, and this says there are three. Okay, so it's the third one: Candyman, Farewell to Flesh, and then Day of the Dead. Oh yeah, so Day of the Dead I think is the one I didn't finish because the girl who's in it, and this is nothing against uh, this type of actress. It's just not my genre. Mm -hmm. uh, Is a Skinamax girl. Okay, and okay, it opens okay. with her in cami panties, like, prancing around her living room. And I yeah. was like, this is not for me. And then I stopped <laughs> watching it. There's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with Skinamax. It just didn't feel like a movie that I was the intended audience for. Yeah, and yeah. so I skipped it. And that's okay. And that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'm glad Tony Todd got the work. You know, I'm happy for him. Um, but yeah, so this one directly goes off of the first movie. But as far as I can tell, it doesn't really contradict the second movie either. Um, no, not really. Yeah. Cause yeah. the second one really has the same backstory pretty much. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that all <laughs> of that to say new Candyman, we're reviewing it. Spoiler free synopsis. Yes. yes. Spoiler free synopsis. So, I mean, I feel like also you should just know. Right. Anyway. So spoiler free synopsis. We, it is 2021. Uh, Cabrini green has been gentrified and, uh, that's the word I want. Yes, gentrified. And so we have this hot young artist couple. He's an artist. She's an art dealer. I don't know what that what what that position is. Yeah, something like curator? that. Curator, curator, maybe? maybe. Yes, curator. Yes, he's an artist. She's a curator. They're hot. They're young. They're black. It's great. They live in Cabrini, and uh, you know he basically summons Candyman, and yeah. uh, shit goes awry. Awry. Yeah. Um, so. From this point on, there's going to be spoilers, but we're not necessarily going to go beat by beat through the movie because yeah. we watched it in the theater and we didn't want to be rude. We're just not those kinds of people. Yeah, it's like pull out our phones and take yeah. copious notes. So yeah. we watched the movie and then as as it ended, I took a few major notes, uh, but they're not going to be in order. Right. <laughs> and I, I do have the Wikipedia up, but I'm not going to read no, it. I, I will just glance thing. occasionally yeah. when I think I need something. Brilliant. I love it. Um, That is all. Cool. Yes. I don't have anything up uh, besides, <laughs> besides my own chaotic notes. Right. So the first thing that I wanted to say is the reason, spoilers ahoy from here. Yeah, spoilers um, ahoy. <laughs> from, is that the reason that this movie doesn't really contradict two, and I don't think it would contradict three, um, is because they established that the mythos of Candyman is from multiple origin points. Yes. That it, like most urban legends, adopts real life circumstances, or at least like, updated legends to kind of change over time. Right. Mm -hmm. And that it always has like a lesson at the end. And the lesson of Candyman has remained the same throughout all of the iterations of the story. Yes. So if, even if it's a slightly different backstory from one to two to three, they all are canon 
in this one. Right. And it still acknowledges the original Candyman story yes. that we get in the first movie where it was like he was a... Was he, was he a slave or was like post-slavery? But either way, he yeah. was a black man in the 1800s who painted. That story still stands. Yes. It's just, it's, you know. So a, if you wanted to way. know, yes, Tony Todd is in it. He's only in it for a little bit. Yeah. But it makes sense for the plot. And they still paid him and I'm happy. And they also CG'd him young. Which they is, did, was, which I didn't need. It's weird. I mean. I didn't need it. He doesn't look that much no. different than and he did. And I already did. know that Tony Todd is fine being covered in bees. So, so yeah. So we just, really could have practical affected just that. Just cover him in bees. Right. That was cheap. They were being cheap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just leave him in Right. Tony that could have looked a lot better, I feel, if they just used current Tony Todd and put some bees on and him. And put some bees on him. Yeah. But, it would have looked better. You right? know, fine. Whatever. Whatever. But he is in it and that's what matters. Yes. Yeah, I was excited. Yes. Um, so this movie started with, and I don't know the initial scene, but the beginning of it, we meet, um, we meet the two, well, not the two main characters, the one main character whose name is Anthony. So here is my theory for this. The girlfriend, what's her name? Oh, yeah. No. Nope. Lord, the girlfriend. <laughs> Which is funny because of what I'm about to say. Yeah. The girlfriend is the protagonist. Anthony is not. Anthony is a false protagonist. Oh. That's my that's my theory, my an- analysis of this movie. Okay, because okay. We get her, more... na- her name is Brianna. Brianna. Mm-hmm. Brianna is the true protagonist because even though we get more background for Anthony as it, as it pertains to Candyman, yes. because he is the baby from the first one, yes. um, we don't actually get a whole lot of background about like his feelings and his conflicts and his resolutions, okay, but we okay. get Brianna's trauma, okay. we see her hopes and dreams, we see her goals, we see her family, true. we didn't even see any of Anthony's friends. No, we did not. We barely meet his mom. Barely meet his mom. So it's I feel like by the end, okay. Brianna is the true protagonist. Okay, I will agree with that. Yes. Yes. So we meet Anthony and Brianna. They are a new, hot, young, not new, they're not new, but they are. He is, they keep saying that he's new. He is new. a new artist. Yeah. He is like new to the art scene, but they are a, a dating couple. They live together. They are, they have, um, before the movie starts, it's implied that they recently moved into this brand new apartment in Cabrini Green. We, the, um, one of the early scene, earliest scenes we get is, Anthony and Brianna, she has her brother over and his boyfriend, um, and they are talking about, like, kind of the area, the history, the boyfriend, who, um, I guess he was white. Yeah. Um, And that's relevant because when you're talking about, like, this is Chicago, right? (laughs) When you're talking about Chicago and Cabrini Green, it's, like, predominantly black. So this... The boyfriend is white, and he kind of doesn't really know that much about, like, Cabrini Green and the projects and all of that. Yeah. And so they basically explain to him how what Cabrini Green was like in the past and how it's been, like, newly gentrified and is a completely different place now. Right. And so some little background, and, I mean, this is sort of incorporated into the world of the movie as well, is that those high-rises have been turned into these nice, ritzy apartments, just like Helen's were in the first. Yes. Uh, so now, now basically, Brianna and Anthony are the analogs for Helen. They're the privileged ones. Yes. Uh, but the row houses still exist, and some people still live in them, and apparently that's how it is really there. Like, oh. there are still some row houses that exist, even though the high-rises have either been torn down or converted. Wow. Yeah. You okay? Because I thought when they first said that, like I mean, in the trailer, I didn't think that they were living in Cabrini mm-hmm. because the trailer you see them in this brand new apartment. Yeah. You even get that clip where they're in bed together, and she's like, "I don't want to be spooked in my new apartment." But then for us to see later the row houses and meet that other man, I think his name was Bill, who still lives like Burke, 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 Burke. I think his name was Burke, um, who still lives like. 
where it all kind of where it all happened. Yeah. Not in the high rises, which right. is where we meet like Anne Marie, uh, Anthony's mom in the first one and all of that. But like, I was like, so they're like, they've got to be like across the street. Yeah. They're right there. Yeah. Because all of it is Cabrini. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it was so convenient for him to go out and do the research when he gets inspired by this story of Candyman that the brother who's a realtor tells. Yes. Uh, he's like, oh, well, this sounds like a great inspiration for my art. I'm going to, you know, go do the research. Well, why not? It's literally downstairs. Right. Because they, but they even, even the way they like put the scenes together, it feels like he went a long way. Yeah. But he wouldn't. No. He couldn't he have. He couldn't have. He went from... Cabrini, yeah. conveniently, because it cut off. Let's just cut off the green, and it's right. a new place. No, he went from Cabrini to Cabrini Green. Yes, he like crossed the street. Yes, probably walked through a gate. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and was there. Yeah, wild. Because mm-hmm. it's completely they don't show different. it, and I understand. It, I will say that that's one of the few criticisms because pe- critics have eaten this film alive. They hate this film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will say that's one of the only criticisms that I understand is that the logic of how close geographically everything that's happening in this arts district that is also the same area as the low income Mm -hmm. projects remnants that it's not shown very well, but I mean, it's, probably because they could not shoot it all in the same area. Right. So, I mean, yeah, they could have done some more neat editing tricks to try and fool you into thinking that they were closer together, but just the logistics of shooting it, they aren't close together. They couldn't get high rises to film in right outside of Cabrini Green. Do you know right, what I mean? Like right. that just didn't make, that didn't work for, for film's sake. Yeah. And if you have ever looked up anything about the kinds of houses and sets that you have to use in order to shoot like indoor scenes, mm-hmm. like in-house scenes, then you'll understand why. Like you can't just go in any old apartment and start shooting with full on huge movie equipment. Right. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't all fit in the space. Right. There's no way. Um, and so I, it was much later in the movie when I like put that together that like this man just, he didn't, it's like, I don't know. The first time we see him walking through the row houses and he's like, one, he is walking through those row houses. Like he's never been there before. Yeah. Um, and he he's clearly like never been there before. A little nervous, but like not super nervous. Like he's clearly like not afraid of the black of the ghetto black people, right. but also just kind of like I am this stranger walking in these people's neighborhood. They might say something, yeah. which is which is a, which is a fair way to feel, right? Um, but I like when the like cop car kind of whoop whoop, and he kind of like hides, yes, because he's still a black man right. in a black neighborhood, and he's still universal. Reacts appropriately, yes. yeah. He doesn't pull that like, well, I'm different because I know he's like, no, I'm backing away. They don't need to see me here. Like, they won't know that I'm different. Um, It's, it was just, it took me a while to realize how geographically close these places were supposed to be. And it makes a lot lot of sense in the later, in the last kind of arc, where Brianna goes from her art studio to her brother's house, to her house, to the laundromat, to the row houses, all within like uh, a couple of hours. Right. But it makes sense because they're all extremely close together. That's right, yeah. Her brother lives somewhere in Chicago, and he's not like living, he's not like rich or anything, so he wouldn't have lived probably super far from her. Right. But this isn't a movie set. Like this is, these are fake places in a real world location. It was, I I can understand it being extremely difficult to show that these things were close together. Right. Um, yes. What you brought up about, um, Anthony hiding, I thought was really cool that there was this idea that black victimhood is simultaneously overused and not universal. 
So like you're not really traumatized because you didn't grow up in the projects, but you do still have to deal with all the same microaggressions mm -hmm. and racism and denial of opportunity and, and everything else that goes along with being black. And so yeah. it's like, you don't get ownership of your trauma, but you still have to deal with this downside. Yes. And I thought that that was a great exactly. focus. And I think that a lot of the critics who are mad about this movie don't understand that that's a major theme. Interesting. I am, you know, I never do any kind of research like that. I am intrigued that a lot of people don't like the movie. I mean, I'm not saying it was flawless mm -hmm. because it's a movie and nothing is perfect. Um, except maybe Midsummer. But um, like, I, I don't know what sort of expectations people went into this with. I got exactly what I wanted from it. Um, even though I feel like there were a few issues in the storytelling where like certain connections should have been more clear, sure. clearly made. Like I really enjoyed it. I got exactly, it was exactly yeah. what I thought it would be. Uh, I think the, the one review everyone quotes is that this movie was for white audiences, which I was really, I, I found that very interesting because that particular reviewer, and it's like the number one review. If you look up hmm. the Candyman review. Yeah. Um, because I, I believe that the reviewer is, a black woman. Okay. Um, I'm going to see if I can... Uh, the, the like number one review says that it's for white audiences and it praises how great the like direction and, and how the emphasis on, on black communities was in the first one. And I'm not going to argue against that. The first Candyman is fantastic. Right. But I found it very ironic because it was a white scriptwriter, It was a white director. It was a white cinematographer for yeah. the first one. And the second one had an all black team. But now you're saying, oh, it's for white people. Like, what the fuck do you want? What do you want? Also... I disagree. I disagree too. <laughs> but even if we were taking that at face value, like why couldn't black, why couldn't a black team make a movie for a white audience? Like right. that's, that's so, that's that weird, rude, limiting, like everything you make has to be outstanding for your culture or it's bullshit. Like, right. Also, you. this particular story isn't necessarily about, well, no, this the main story isn't isn't completely about the black experience. Yes, they tie the black ex American experience into the movie, but like overall, it's still a horror movie about a about a a ghost who kills and he kills indiscriminately. Like Candyman does not only kill white people, he does not only kill black people, he kills whoever says his name that series of time. He doesn't care about your race your gender, whatever, like, you said my name, you're dying. So, like, at its core, it's still just a horror movie. It seemed, and I think that this one did a good job of showing that it was about disrespect and that you can be disrespected by your own people and your yeah. own community. It isn't just... But in the, in the majority of the people who are showing the disrespect are white. Right. And so those are the people who are the, make up the majority of the victims. But like, okay, so I found it. It's, it's the Candyman is a soulless didactic reimagining by Angelica Jade Bastien from Vulture. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's a rough review. And I will say, I just find it very ironic that the, the movie that got the praise was the one with the white team. And that the, the example, one of the examples that she used was the fact that there was a black-skinned woman who was killed uh, or a little girl yes, um, who was killed. But I thought that the point of that was to show that she was being very disrespectful to her little brother. Yes. And she was doing this out of a, a show of bravado. She was disrespecting like her culture, like her, her people. Right. And so then she was punished by this ghost. Right. She and killed. said his name. Right. That's, them, them's the rules. Them's the rules. Like, 
Right. And no other black person would dare to do it. Everyone else trusted the lore. Right. Even enough. Brianna br- trusted yeah, trust the lore. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, we're not going to yeah. we're not going to do that. <laughs> and even though she was like, "Oh, that's not real." It's like, "Okay, but don't don't do it." Right. Like, no, I don't believe in it, but also don't try right. it. Right. The only time that she was actually <laughs> willing to try it was when she thought it was the only way to get through to Anthony. Exactly. It was like a, a last resort. It was a last resort, right? So even every other black person, whether they believed the story or not, wasn't going to test the waters. Right. Except for this one little girl, which is why she's the one who, the only black person who dies, I think, by his yeah, hand at least. she is. Um, she pushed the boundaries. Yeah. Like, she broke the rules. Right. So, I don't know. I don't think it was for white audiences, whatever. Like, I don't know what, like, what, what could you have wanted from that? I mean, she wanted the white directed, white written 1992 <laughs> version again, and that's... With the white main character. With the white main character. I mean, it was a better show of black culture, I guess. Well, you mean the stereotypical gang banging, the uh, the graffiti all over the walls, the uh, literally every literally everyone black in that first movie was poor, and stricken poverty, didn't have running water, barely had lights, like that's but that's that what was I, the better movie. So that's what I mean, where by elevating kind of the status of most of our black characters, I mean even our poorest black character, the one who lives in the row house, is like a business owner yeah, or at least a that, manager. He owns, right? that la- he, he owns. I think he owns the. Yeah, laundrette. I, I think it's a, yeah. I think he owns the laundrette. Like he is a business owner. Yeah, and and so everyone is a little bit better off in this world, but they all still face the same sort of trauma and stigma of being black of being black yeah. and i just every time that they try to remind anthony like oh yeah you're traumatized but not that traumatized right. like you don't really have anything to complain about and it, it, but then all of these like shitty things are happening to him yes i just thought that was a, a wonderful way to show that this is this is that example of like oh well why are you even complaining racism's in the past kind yes. of shit but i yeah. feel like it just went over some of the critics' heads. But even, like, even Brianna's experience when she's, when they go to that one, like, dinner. Yeah. And there's that, like, I'm going to call him an art director. That one white man yes. who's, like, an art director. <laughs> the one who's, like, Chicago is so provincial. And I was, like, what? What? <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and right. But then there's that other that other black female. Yes. Uh, art director she's and like museum director museum right. director and Brianna is like oh my god I've been like wanting to meet you I can't believe we've never crossed paths because like apparently it makes it seem like that woman also kind of works in Chicago yeah. I can't believe we've never met before but like this is someone clearly Brianna looks up to and then when it comes down to it this woman still only is interested in her for Anthony's work yes. and what gets me there is that also pits Anthony against that other Black male yes, which artist. Yes, I wanted to talk about. Um, we talked about that a little bit before. Yeah, he gets like back no backstory, no name or whatever. But to me, thinking about this later, I think one thing that a lot of people like, well, like more of the like the museum directors and what they liked about Anthony's work was that his work did before this Candyman series he was doing was heavily about black trauma. Yes. And it's like, that's what you want. Yes. You want more black trauma in the art museums. You don't want a black artist who is a good artist, but maybe wants to paint or do, maybe wants his focus to be something else. Right. No, every black person who is successful, it has to be about the trauma. About the trauma. Yes. Yeah. In fact, they don't even like his first iteration because it's not traumatic enough. Yes. And then as soon as people start dying in front of it, oh, now it's got enough trauma. It's got right. enough backstory. Yes. Which Anthony does point out. 
So I, that guy, that guy in the loud shirt who is at, so he's at the, the first art gallery and he insults Anthony's paintings mm-hmm. and it's pretty, you know, heavily implied. He's doing it fucking on purpose. Yes. Um, where he's like, oh, where'd you find those thrift store paintings? Like, obviously he made them. Yeah, like, it's that clearly was jealousy. Them, them spiting words. Mm-hmm. And so Anthony's kind of drunk. So he's like, fuck you. And the horse you rode in on, you know. Uh, <laughs> and then later when they're at dinner, Brianna is not sitting next to her boyfriend. She's sitting next to that guy. And they are in like animated conversation before she gets engaged um, in conversation with the museum director right. and then when she goes to meet the museum director after her and Anthony have had the falling out she starts promoting a black artist and I don't know if it's this guy because they never say his name they but I'm his name, right. pretty sure it's that guy where yeah. she's promoting his work over Anthony's work so I thought there was a cheating subplot that got cut mm. but Cherry thinks he's gay <laughs> <laughs> But she does have very loud shirts, so I don't know. But also, we'll just never know. We'll never know. (laughs) Oh, part of the reason I thought he was gay, besides the loud shirt, because he's an artist, and the artist's wardrobes never... That's true. The the wardrobe never matched. There's never any sense in an artist's wardrobe. Right. Um, Because, I mean, Anthony dresses like he is homeless. Yeah, the hat. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? And then you have this guy. But was also like... Oh no, never mind. It wasn't him. It was the white guy who was like, I've been called a bitch before. And it's like, have you? Because why? But um, I don't know. But also, we would know which was right if he had just gotten any more airtime. Yes. If you had, what was the subplot? This movie was only an hour and a half long, and it was a great hour and a half. You could have given it 15 more minutes, and it would have been a little bit better fleshed out. Um, I actually don't have a problem with where it ended at all. I like that open ending kind of movie. Same. Yeah, which we'll, we'll talk about when we get there a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the way it ended. Um, let's see. Anything else? Uh, art. Critics are terrible people because they get money and prestige for no talent is a nice little (laughs) aside that I wrote. Um, Do I believe that's true in real life? Anyway, moving on. Uh, (laughs) I want to talk about the girls in the bathroom. In the school bathroom. okay. Okay, so here's, let me set the scene for you. It's the one that's in the trailer, so you're probably familiar with it, even if you haven't seen it. Yeah. um, Where these, it's majority white girls. Yes. There might be a Hispanic. There's one, there might be a Hispanic, and And there's there's one Asian Asian girl, girl. because she dips. And I was, I would really enjoy when Jordan Peele includes an Asian character who is sort of complicit in white, like in, in oppression. Yes. Because I mean, we kind of are like, that's, <laughs> uh, we can't, yeah, we're not going to escape that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's shitty. Of course, you know, hashtag not all Asians, but <laughs> in general, you know, Asians have profited from this idea of white supremacy because we're clo- considered closer to white than black. That's yes. just unfortunately the way that it is. And every time somebody reminds us that we're a minority, then we get all mad about it. But uh, in general, we should be more solidarity with the black community than we are with the white community. And unfortunately, that's just not the case a lot of the times. And so we have these this white girl. She's She went to the opening with uh, her mom or something. Yeah. And so she got the story of Candyman. And so she goes back to the bathroom and they're hanging out. They're cutting class. She puts her lips on the glass. Yeah, oh, she it's kisses so gross. The- oh, yeah, bleh. never. <laughs> anyway, uh, so her and her friends are hanging out and she's like, hey, let's do this dumb Candyman thing. And they're all in. So they say it like four times and the Asian girl dips. She's like, Mm-mm. she grabs her backpack and runs out. Like, mm, you know what? JK. And you know what? She's the only one who lives. Yes, so good for her. <laughs> so she runs out and a, oh, and then they finish the chant and yes. then a black girl walks in yes. and she's clearly like, you can tell from her posture that she's an outsider. Yeah. Like she's she got the hunch shoulders. a regular victim of bullying. Yeah. Like she immediately, as soon as she like gets herself on the toilet, she immediately puts her headphones on. Like I don't even want to hear, like I'm, she's just trying to cocoon herself 
in this. And I don't even think she was actually using the toilet. I think she was just, it's kind of like she was cocooning herself from whatever was happening in class. Like she just needed a moment Yes. Like alone and yes. away from all of this bullying. Yeah. And so all these girls start banging on her door and, you know, saying her name, but like in that shitty fake nice way. Yeah. Oh, how you doing? You know, just being, being mean to her. Yeah. And then Candyman strikes <laughs> and he kills them all. And it's delicious. <laughs> but here's the thing. Anthony gets fingered for all of the Candyman murders. Yes. Right? Well, right. Which makes sense because of his circumstances. Right. And that's kind of what Candyman does. Yeah. Uh, if... Anthony had not been caught, killed, and framed for those murders, mm-hmm. that black girl would have gone to jail. Yes. She would have been the one who was framed for these murders. Because she's the only one. Yes. She's but the, the only fact, one in the bathroom. But the fact that they can pin, pin it on this other guy, who is also innocent, yes. means that she will get off scot-free. Because it doesn't even make sense for how he could get in. It's it's a school, for one thing. Everything is going to be crazy monitored. Yep. And you can see the windows because they open them to like smoke. Yeah. And they don't open long, big enough for someone to get in and out. No, not at so all. So they're going to fake the evidence to pin it on this dead black man. Yeah. But it's going to save this black, this black girl. girl. Right. Yeah. Because that's, that's literally all I was worried about. Yes. That whole scene. Because... Fuck these white girls. They shouldn't have said his name. Whatever. No. You you call the man here and he's doing what he does anyway. But this, <laughs> I was like, this poor, innocent, victim black girl in this bathroom, all she wanted was a minute's peace. And now, like, the murder and carnage is happening all outside of that bathroom. And I was like, there's literally... There was no way she could have gotten out with like st- without stepping in blood, yes. stepping on a body, getting... Like, it would have been... I would have been less worried for her... Because the way that bathroom was set up, it was like all stalls and then the sinks were like farther in the corner. I would have been less worried for her if everything had happened in the sink in area. In the sink area, because it's like maybe she can sneak out and no one see her. Because if it's during class, yeah. the hallways are pretty empty. Maybe she could get out and no one even knows she was ever there. Because like, what are they going to have? Fingerprints? No, it's a public bathroom. Right. But I was like, this poor girl is going to have to like literally step, step in, in this blood, blood to get yeah. out. Like there's no way she's going to. No. And I was like, she's going to go to jail. Yes. So. <laughs> I was. Thanks for taking the L, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. <laughs> um, so it turns out, just as a quick little summary, that Burke of the Laundrette, who lives in Cabrini Green in the row houses left, yes. has been laying in wait for the baby of Candyman past to come up and so he could like turn him into the new and Candyman. And here is where my story li- storytelling issues happen. Yeah, and that kind of, that's one of those things that needed like five more minutes of explanation. Yep. Because... And like, and it really could have been, I really feel like maybe if they expanded his talk with his mom, that a lot of these issues could have come up where she would say something like, oh, that's why I encourage you to go into art and I encourage you to go away to school, but you said you wanted to stay in the community. Right. That, you know, you are the one who chose to move back into the Cabrini greenhouses. It's like you're drawn here. I'd been like, oh, okay. So it makes sense for Burke to expect. Because instead I wrote down like, right, you're just going to sit here at this laundrette forever? And I was, does he make it clear how he even knows? So like, are we supposed to assume, because for me the like timeline doesn't work. Like, when so Burke isn't Burke Burke is Burke the little boy at the beginning? Yes. Okay. So earlier in the movie, we have a like a flashback 
to this boy. He's maybe, I don't know, let's say 10. Mm. Um, but his, we see, we hear his mom tell him, didn't I tell you to go wash, no, wash those clothes. So he takes a load of clothes to this separate, uh, like laundry area. That's clearly for the like whole like project community or whatever. Um, as he's going there, he passes this cop car. They show him this, like not a mugshot, this drawing. And he's like, have you seen this man? And the kid just like shrugs and walks away. Well, the kid gets down the stairs, puts the clothes in the washing machine. And the man that everyone is looking for, the man that everyone is currently calling Candyman uh, comes out of this hole in the wall. The reason they're calling this living being Candyman is because that's the story of, oh, there, you know, some candy was being given out and there were razor blades in the candy. And um, we get the story that like there were razor blades in the candy and they kill a man. They kill a man for it. But it turns out the man that they killed for this crime was the wrong man because there was more candy with razor blades after it. Well, the man who was wrongly killed is this man. And it's Burke's fault. Not really his fault. But Burke, being a child, sees this man coming out of the wall. He knows that's the man everybody's looking for. He screams. The cop hear, he's, cops hear him scream. And for some reason, like 20 cops rush down and beat this man to death. And like the kid almost immediately realizes oh shit, I just condemned this black man. Like you see, even before the cops come, you see his, on his face, he's like, oh damn, I just fucked up. Like, because you can also tell that this man who's giving him candy is kind of like, clearly has like a mental disability. Mm -hmm. He seems like he's not, it's like something, there's something else to him. Right, that's there's not, a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Socially. Yes. Like this kid screams and his biggest concern is like, oh, well, if you have some candy, you'll feel better. Yes. He, he doesn't seem to understand that coming out of the wall is scary. It's scary or creepy. He Right, he's not getting that this kid is screaming because he's afraid of me. He's like, well, let me help him out. Let me give him some candy. Because there's a disconnect. Right. And this kid is completely, immediate, you can see it on his face. He's immediately like, Oh shit, it's not you, is it? Yeah, he's not, oh, he doesn't mean to hurt me. He really just wants to give me candy because this is his social interaction. Yes. Like he understands that this this man is not like totally mentally culpable. Yes, yes. Even as a child. Even as a child. And so you have this black boy looking at this black man like I just condemned you to death and he clearly feels bad yeah. for it. My question is, where does that... Fit in with 1992, right? With, fit in with the original movie? Yes. 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 Where, where, what, because I... I think they said that that was... 80s. The 80s? Yes. So that means Burke would have been alive and living there yes. in 92 when Anthony was kidnapped, but the papers blame Helen yes. for taking him. Yes. How would Burke have put it together that it was Candyman? My... I have thought about this a little bit, and I feel like this is another thing that just needed five more minutes. Five yeah. minutes of Burke talking, five minutes of the mom explaining. That's all that I needed for this movie to be perfect. Right. Absolutely perfect. Um, I think they just went a little too hard on the editing. Okay. <laughs> uh, which I get. The pacing like, is really good. The pacing on, is really good. Somewhere on the editing floor, it, the proverbial are, editing yes, floor. Yes, there are ten minutes that would have made this perfect, and a lot of the critics say the same thing, but the critics say it should have gone at the end. I don't think so. I, don't I think, think so. we needed to go five more minutes of mom explaining, five more minutes of Burke explaining. Yes, because Anthony and Burke have several conversations. Yes. At some point, I don't know. I okay. think that it probably would have fit in best when he's explaining to Brianna when she's tied up, but if the pacing would have been, Ye they thought the pacing would drag. Yeah. That's my, that's my film theory. That's fair. Um, so my theory is that if we think about the 1992 version of Candyman, the first Candyman is the real gangbanger. Yes. Right? Yes. 
How old was Burke? Would Burke have been old enough to be a gangbanger? Well, he probably would have been in his teens. Right. If we're putting him, he was clearly between 10 and 12 in that 80s scene. I think it was like 88, maybe. Right. In the 80s, I think he would have been like a like a teen, maybe early 20s. Right. So he would have been 90s, in the 90s. In the age to be one of those hangers yes, he on. Would have. Yeah, I agree. So wouldn't it make sense that he would kind of see this name getting repurposed from this victim to a position hmm. of power and mm -hmm. that that might affect him later to be like, oh, well, we could continue using this name for good because we use this name yes. for evil. We could use this name for good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was, I, I was like, I feel like there could be a connection in there from the timeline. We just needed it. Yeah. Like. I needed that. And I almost felt like we could have had that because when Burke makes a joke about being in the laundrette and mm -hmm. he's kind of like, man, you know, it started with laundry. It ends with laundry. <laughs> yeah, I, it did. I never thought I was going to end up here. That implies that there was a chunk of his life where he did something else. Yeah. Right? So yes. what was that? What was that? Right. Were you helping yeah. someone sell drugs? You know? Oh, I, yeah, don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I needed that. I, I needed that to be a better connection. Um, and my other, my other issue with the storytelling also relates to Burke, but it's more at the end. So I can save it okay. for later um, if we want to. So, um, and of course we're telling this all out of order. At some point in this movie, no, the first time Anthony goes to Cabrini, Green goes right. to the row houses. Um, he's like taking pictures and he gets stung by a bee. Right. Which is significant. Which, you know, watching the movie, you're like, oh, it's a bee because a candy man. That yeah. makes sense. But also, this bee sting goes from, oh, out, it's a bee sting that he barely even reacts to. Because I don't, I mean, I've never been stung by a bee. I've been a camp counselor, so I've been, I've had to assist kids who were stung by bees. You know, once you pull the stinger out, it literally immediately stops hurting. Yeah. Um, because the stinger in you is like what causes the pain. You pull the stinger out, it stops hurting, and then you can deal with the subsequent whatever happens. But <laughs> as... The movie progresses and Anthony's hand begins to literally rot. I was like, I know you're a quote unquote starving artist, not actually starving. You live in this fabulous apartment with your girlfriend who probably pays all the bills, whatever. You can't go to a patient first or an urgent care or you're an artist. And your hand, and I understand the point of the story is that it has to continue. It has to take over his body because he's going to become Candyman. But I was like, this man couldn't have gone to a doctor though and just gotten some medication that wasn't working. I needed that. I yeah, <laughs> I could have gone with like just not even a full minute. Like maybe earlier before we see him at the hospital, him taking some pills. Yes, and then them him like looking at him like oh, these don't even work. Like maybe throwing them away. Right. Um, and then. When we got to the hospital, he just kind of pops up and then leaves. And the doctor's like, oh, I'm so glad you came in, but then there's no improvement. So when, I mean, I needed that doctor to have like one more line of like, I'm not sure why this is so antibiotic resistant. There's a few more things we can try. Yes. You know what I mean? I needed like, that interaction because I, because what was not realistic is that he is an artist and your hand is decaying before your eyes. And as a painter, you would think you would want both of your hands. <laughs> like, uh, it's also kind of a weird, like Brianna being really the secret protagonist, I thought was a cool turn. And there is a point at which in, in the movie where I'm like, I am behind her. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. But there's a couple times where I was like, bitch, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that my husband's hand could decay that badly. And me not like, but at the point when she notices the hand, yeah, it's, it's already so, it's been so long. Up. And it's like, does he, do you all not eat? You don't eat any meals together. You don't 
interact in any way. Like, I don't think my hand, my husband's hand could decay that badly with me. I feel like I would have noticed maybe not the initial bee sting, but when that, when it first started to have scabby, that yeah. scabby ring, I'd have been like, what happened to you? Ew, what is that? Like, go to, like, I, she just, it's like they, it's like they weren't close. But they established how close they are in the opening scene. So that's the problem. The problem is that they're too affectionate to jump. Because they 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 sleep together, they cuddle, they talk. He, yes. he The minute he gets inspired, he shares his work with her. He's so excited. Right. Um, she berates him like, oh, make sure you t- come to your mom's dinner. I'm going to come too. Like they seem to have, yeah, it's a troubled and relationship. Right. And initially they're very just kind of like walking by and she'll just like kind of yes. brush, brush it, like brushes back with her hand. Like they're very connected, which is good. But also how did you not notice that? Right. Thing? But, and she does get mad at him eventually because his behavior becomes erratic, but it almost seems like it almost seems like the minute that he tells people who were genuinely being rude to him yes. to fuck off at that art gallery, yes. that she like doesn't look at him again. Right. Like even look at him except for like days. You, and it's like, okay, I get it, Brianna. You're like embarrassed because, you know, she's trying to come up in the art world herself. Like they're both trying to move up this ladder and you would think they kind of want it to move up together, which is why she's the reason he even got into that show. It's like, you know, hey, my boyfriend's an artist. His art's really good. I'm going to help him get into this show. That's what she should do. You're in a relationship. But also like, don't choose these assholes over him which like, she did find the bodies and she was upset and he was kind of laughing and look man my look man, my man's reaction of oh, they said my name on the news <laughs> bro i mean dude was a piece of shit and now you get his job <laughs> yeah so i guess i guess it could be something like oh she was so upset about that and it reminded for dad so she just didn't talk to him for a couple days and then it was wildly out of control okay but th- i needed to see that and it also still doesn't work because what? But then she's so happy, giggle fun at, at dinner. Yes. So like, how are you yes. so cool here, but so traumatized Happy there? giggle fun at dinner, but only you're only traumatized when it's just you and your significant other, who you also aren't sharing your feelings with. If you are, he him laughing about the news thing wasn't because she cared. It was just... Oh, this, they said my name on the news. Like he was just so engrossed in the fact that his name was out there that he was missing. Oh yeah, you're right. But people did die. But like, Talk to him. Tell them that. Tell him you're upset. Maybe you're worried the killer will come back to the art gallery where your office is. Like, she literally just isn't talking to him about these feelings. But also, it's like she wants him, expects him to behave like she knows. She's expecting him to behave like he's reading her mind. Yes. But that's unfair. Yeah. Because... Like, he can't. Right. And we know he's not telling her what's happening to him because... He's experiencing some real supernatural shit. Right. And he feels like he's going crazy. Right. And you probably would be nervous to share that with someone. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense that he's keeping secrets. It doesn't make sense that she is. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, Brianna does fall into a lot of the bitchy, nag girlfriend tropes yeah. that I do not love. Do not love. Uh, why aren't you taking this more seriously? I need you to do this thing for me. Oh, he let me, you know, just the, oh, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Come on. Right. Also, your, her career isn't, is not hinged upon his career. No. So like when she wants him to come to that meeting, that dinner with the, he didn't need to be there. Also, also, listen, if I'm going to meet some art directors, right? Yes. And it's not like they were talking to him. They weren't. Nobody was talking talking to him. Would you not say, Hey, I've got a really big presentation dinner. 
you clearly are going through some things. Yeah. Why don't you sit this one out? And then maybe he could have been mad and showed up anyway and caused a scene. Yeah. And that would have made sense for the plot. But the fact that she's like, you have to come. And then she's upset that he's like acting not how she wants him exactly. to act. Also, he doesn't need to come. They came, first of all, they technically came to meet her. Right. But now we know the black art director, museum director really came to meet him. But like, she that would have been facilitated anyway. Right. She would have gone anyway to meet her to meet him later. Yes. So it, he didn't, he need, didn't need to, to be, be there. there. And in fact... If you invite me, if you tell me I've got this big dinner and it's so important to me that you show up and you be there and then you don't even sit next to me and you ignore me and talk to some guy who talks shit about me. Thank you. Fuck you. I would have left way before. What got way me before. was her not, them not sitting together implied to me that that means she didn't save him a seat. No. Because we can assume, so he, we know he went to meet that, uh critic right. at her apartment because now now she cares about his art now that people have died in front yeah. of it and so he's there at the same time it seems like it implied to me that he was late to the dinner and instead of holding the seat next to her for him like everybody just said whatever they wanted to sit and so he got the empty seat at the table right and I was like you didn't even you made him come to this and you didn't even save him a seat next and to he you. told her he was going somewhere first and he, so now he's at a table with a bunch of people he doesn't know and this asshole who insulted his work the last time they saw each other and that you're just like whatever yeah you're girlfriend. just like ignoring him yeah completely and then they get the news hey this art critic's dead and he leaves like would you not be like oh maybe he's upset yes like that woman was just at the gallery talking shit about his art. Would he not feel guilty? Like, damn, I did wish a bus would hit her. Shit, I, sh you know, I feel <laughs> yeah, bad. Right? Like, I, yeah. Like, oh, did you? Oh, hey, are you okay? Oh, are you upset about her? Let's talk about her this. being like, how dare you get up from the table? Oh my god. Right. Like, yes. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, I will say that you know what? I'm gonna give props to Nia Costa for making me like Brianna by the end of the movie. Yes. Because I did not like her at all no. for about <laughs> two thirds of the movie. <laughs> And so was that, does that mean that the first two thirds were a failure or that the last third was super successful? I don't, I don't know. know. I, I, I prefer know. to believe the last part is a success. I didn't, I didn't like, like her either. And yeah. I was really, I was really trying to like give her the benefit of the doubt yeah. the whole time until they have that scene where she and Anthony are in his studio and yes. she's finally seeing these paintings of him painting all of these what we know now would be previous Candyman. Um, but he's painting these really disturbing paintings. One, isn't his studio like part of their apartment? Yes. And she's, she never goes up there? I guess not. I guess. Whatever. Respecting his privacy. Okay. But so she goes up there. She sees these paintings. She, you can tell the paintings are disturbed. She's like, oh my God, what's wrong with you? But one, she's angry at him. Yes. For whatever he's going through, which is like, that's unfair because it's not like he's hurt anyone. He's clearly, something is happening to him. And you're angry with him? Which I thought... That he's going through something? I thought that was a tie back to her dad being a failed artist. That she was seeing signs mm. of like this depression and isolation that pre predecessed yes. her father's suicide. And that her response was to be kind of like, how dare you treat yourself so badly? Yes. But and also all the more reason for her to have shared with him yeah. that she's seeing these connections. Yes. And I mean, how great would that argument have been to be like, don't you dare pull some shit like my father. Like, and then that would be, for him to be unfair? like, oh my God, oh no, I'm not, I don't feel like right. that. I'm not dying to, this is like, you know, maybe he would have opened up yes. and been like, and test, shared something right. with Or her. he could have gotten bad and been like, you don't understand at all because it's not the same because what he's going through is supernatural. Yes. But the fact that we could have had 
a better sense of miscommunication based on the fact that they genuinely liked each other. After the first opening scene, I did not believe that they liked each other. No, it just seemed like, it seemed like their relationship was, we were watching their relationship deteriorate. But so fast, way too fast. Well, like, right, but like the next day. Yes. <laughs> like, come on, man. Oh, I love you. We're so touchy-feely. Two days later, I hate your ass. Like, right. no. As, as people, as, as someone, as, as people who have experienced failed relationships, it is not that quick it or easy. It isn't that quickly, no. No. <laughs> like, like, come on. Um, but so then they have the whole scene in his studio and he, she goes to, she goes to do the thing she claimed she wasn't going to do, which is say Candyman's name in that mirror that was in his studio. And he gets angry and he throw, he like throws the mirror on the ground. I was angry that the last straw for me, as far as liking her, was she goes to her brother and they're talking about him like he attacked her. Yeah. And it's like, not only, he didn't, like, it was very clear that he was like, no, don't do this. And he throws the mirror on the ground, like as far away from her yes. as he can. There was no way to misinterpret that. Like, oh, he threw the mirror at me. No. He wasn't, he didn't approach her. He wasn't, his hands weren't balled up. Like he was clearly frantic, afraid. And he was clearly trying to break the mirror, but without hurting Brianna. And he did tell her not to do it yes. first. He was like, don't do it. She said it again. And then he was like, well, I'm gonna keep you from doing it then. Right. And he broke the mirror instead of covering her mouth. Right. And it was like, right. come, come he literally, on. He did, not, he did what he could not to put his hands on her. Yes. So then the goat, for her and her brother- For her and her brother to be like, mm, that violent piece of shit. Should we call him so know? violent? I can't believe he, he, but he did everything he could to stop you without- Touching his you. hands on yes. you. Yes, it just, it was upsetting. It felt like she was blowing this up to get more sympathy. Yes. And it was like. Out of a brother, you don't need to. You don't yeah, need it's to, your brother. He's already on he's, your side. Oh, he's always on your side. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, right? like, your brother is very close. Cl clearly, she and her brother were very close. It's like, you don't need to win him over. No. Like, Immediately, the minute she had a problem, she was, he was like, yeah, he didn't have a job and this, that, and the other. Like, I always thought you were too good for yes, him. Yes, because he's your yeah. brother and that's what, that's what that's what a good sibling does. That's right. Right? They are on your side. On your side. <laughs> um, so, at this point, so now, um, let's talk about him going to his mother's house. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, uh, something I really loved is that when Anthony goes to his mother's house, that Anne-Marie... Yes, that's uh, Anne Marie has an outdated CD player and CD rack yeah. because it reminded me of how in the original 1992 she has one of those old fashioned square stereo radio like the the speaker attached yes. TVs from like God like the 50s <laughs> like, yes and I was like oh it's still outdated tech yes because she's still poor yes but we've upgraded with the times i love right that. Love yeah, that. yeah 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 no no she's still poor yeah. she's just maybe a little she has a little a little more money yes she's not poverty stricken no now she's just like regular lower class right <laughs> yes whatever that would be and she looked great she looked amazing this woman i mean i know they say black don't crack right, but vanessa williams girl dear lord she looked the same Except her hair was better. Oh yeah, her hair was way better. Her hair was way yeah. better. Because they weren't trying to ghetto, uh, trying to ghetto style her like no. in the 1992 version. No, because it was bred by white people. Because she would, she could have had that hair in the first one. It yes. was, it wasn't even like it was relaxed or anything. It was just like its natural curly state. Yeah, it was just nice. She could have had a nice little twist out in yeah. the first one. Yeah, instead of looking anyway, <laughs> like she looks. <laughs> but yeah, so she's got that nice weird 80s painted psycho. Like I don't know, it was that weird kind of like 80s teal and pink hallway it was an odd building yeah but so she's there and they're talking and one 
I you I feel like I could tell that they are like for some reason they aren't super close. Yeah. Because he's going through shit and it, at, actually at no point does he call his mother. He doesn't call his mother until he has reason to until he's starting to think there's more to his story oh no after the hospital right after he finds yes. out he was born in a different hospital in a different part of town than what she told him yes and so that's when he goes back and what i think is kind of interesting here is that it almost implies that this whole time she's been telling him that he's higher class yeah. than he is yes um, that he was born on a better side of town, mm -hmm. that he's never grown up in the projects, and that everyone else that he meets, especially white people, have been holding that against him. Like when the art critic, the white art critic who gets murdered, yeah. is talking about how, oh, well, you know, people like you are the ones who really take advantage of gentrification. Yes. And even though she tries to clarify and say artists, what she clearly means are black people with money. Yes. And yes. so that black people with money are really the people who who benefit from gentrification. Right. And it's like, what Ew. the fuck? Ew. <laughs> and just like the white uh, gallery owner is like, I need to see your pain. I need to see you explore your past. I mean, I guess your past isn't that traumatic, but like just make it as traumatic as possible. Yeah. And then he finds out, oh, this whole time I did have an authentically degrading backstory. I yeah. could have been selling. I could have been selling, right. I could have been selling my impoverished past, Ugh, which is also, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Right, the hospital tells him, "Oh no, you were born you were born here because he goes to the hospital allegedly implied in Cabrini Green versus Cabrini wouldn't it be the same anyway. So, <laughs> the hospital would be the same hospital. So, he finds out he was born somewhere where he thought he was not. He goes back to his mother and he you can it's like he already knows when he gets there, clearly this whole Candyman thing is somehow connected to me because being from Chicago and now that he's done the research to do this art series that he's doing about Candyman, he's like, oh, I was born in the area where this story, at least as far as Chicago knows it, initiated. Right. So he goes to his mom and they're telling the story and she won't even let him say the name once. Yes. And they're not even in front of a reflective surface. No. She's just like, no, we don't do that. Mm -mm. He goes, can't. She's like, mm, no. And that's in the trailer too. She's yeah. like, mm, no, we're not, we're not doing that here. Yeah. Like, no, Little no. does she know. <laughs> it's too late already. Um, and she sees his hand and that's how you know they're not close. She goes, oh, what happened to your hand? And he just ignores her. And it's like, and she doesn't even like go to reach out to touch it. Like, like a, a mother who's close to her child would have been like, would have immediately been like over there touching the hand, poking it. Like, let me get you. Let me try to, did you go to the hospital? Like, no, she's just like, Oh, what happened to your hand? And he doesn't answer. And she's just I'm like, okay. And they just sit there in that really weird and awkward yes. silence. Um, so she has to tell him the truth that he was in fact, not only born where the doctor said that he was born, but that he is the baby in the newspapers that was kidnapped and that he was actually kidnapped by Candyman and not Helen. Helen, right. Right. Um, I guess I can understand a little bit the hospital stuff. I mean, even just in our area where we live, there is a hospital that's nicknamed Murderview. Oh, that's true. So, and that's not far at all from the Sinteras that are the good hospitals. The good hospitals. And yeah, you're right. it's kind of the, the joke that you won't drive to the good hospital. <laughs> yeah, that if you can make it to the good hospital, just right. drive the extra 20 minutes. And I think it, it was also implied <laughs> that he only goes to that crappy hospital because it is literally the closest one and he is falling apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's literally decaying at this point. Right. There's there's no there's no better <laughs> there's no option. Some hospital now. Please. Um 
Yeah, so, but I could have used a little bit more about the estrangement. We get kind of snippets in that she does not approve of the girlfriend. Yes. And I think that it's one of those interesting things where we have this woman who clearly, I mean, even in the first movie, talks about that baby is her life. Yes. And so, of course, she, all she's trying to do is elevate Anthony, telling him he's from a better place, that he's you know, can be an artist, that she supports him or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then also looking at this other girl who clearly didn't grow up in the projects right who has her own trauma but it's not poverty related trauma yes. and to be like oh but you can't relate to my son right right because the fact that she's black is not enough right <laughs> very very crazy rich asians i like yeah <laughs> it is. right right because it's not like he went um not that there's anything wrong with interracial interracial relationships but i could see Anne marie being like this white girl doesn't know what you've been through but it's not a white girl it's a black girl right who, like appreciates black culture like yeah. it doesn't matter where she grew up but anyway <laughs> so right so they're not close so she find he finds out and not enough about the, the truth about his past um but that he is the baby that was in the papers and Candyman kidnapped him not Helen Lyles and then he just storms out angry right that he, she never told he kind of shows her She's like, well, I lied to protect you. And he's like, do I look protected? And like opens his coat. And yes. that's where you see that the rot has traveled so far up his body that it's actually up the side of his neck to his, to his face. Coming to his face. And yeah. it looks almost like a honeycomb. It's real gross. Yeah, it's so it's gross. Great, it's so cool. Gross even body in, horror. In some scenes, it even looks sort of golden. There are like, you know what I mean? It's like, especially on his face, it's honeycomb shape, but in certain some scenes he'll turn an angle and it kind of has like a gold Ooh. outline, almost like actual honeycomb. Yeah. So good. Love so it. Cool. So cool. So much. Um, so, okay. So, um, right. So he's angry and it's like, but what did you want her to tell you that you were kidnapped by this fictional character? Candy man. No, you candy man, as far as anyone's concerned, isn't real. And like, could you imagine your mom trying to tell you that some, ghost some urban legend kidnapped you when you were a baby and then gave you back like no you would think your mom was nuts mm -hmm. <laughs> so like she couldn't what was she supposed to tell him right no yeah he's just mad he's just mad because he's rotten now and like, it's also your fault sir also yeah you, no you one did, told you to do this you did uh you did bring this on yourself no one anyway told you to do this um <laughs> So this is where Brianna becomes our main character. She goes back to the house to get her stuff. She notices Anthony is gone. She decides that now she cares about him. Yes. Uh, so she goes to look for him. What I could have used in here was like a quick, maybe of an answering machine message from like the police department looking for him. Something, yeah. Something small to trigger her giving a fuck again because yes. she gives a fuck out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, yeah. And after already having established, like even, I think that would have made me like her better in that like, I'm really mad at you and this relationship is probably over, but I am still concerned about you in the greater picture. Right. Like that, I would have, I would have appreciated that because yeah. instead it was like, oh, I'm going to tell everybody you hit me and that yeah. you're a piece of shit and I'm going to ruin your whole career and X, Y, Z. And there was also that, the, the scene that we talked about earlier with the museum curator, um, saying, Hey, specifically, I want to work with you and I'm going to get you a place in museum curation, which is hard to get into. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to have this on your resume. Uh, but you have to get your boyfriend involved where at this point without that, impetus to look out for Anthony for his own good. It yeah. looks like she's looking out for him so that she can get what she wants. Yes. And it's rude. Because she she makes that face. Like, like the camera like zooms in on her when she's like rolling her eyes at the fact that like almost like I guess now I have to go and make up with him. Like, right. Right. Like where it almost seems like I don't buy her genuinely liking him anymore. Right. Uh, but she goes to try to find him. She f sees the pen from the laundrette. She goes to the laundrette and this is where we find out Burke is evil. 
Yes. 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 And there was that brief conversation she and Anthony, mo- moment when Anthony did mention to her that he had been talking to someone named Bert from a laundrette. And she was like, what are you talking about? Because like, clearly they would have, it's not like they would need a laundrette. Right. <laughs> like, she's like, why were you even there? So she sees it. She remembers, oh, that he did say he was talking to some man. So she goes there and she does the thing that I would never do. No brown person would do. And she goes in the back. Why would you go in the back? Right. No. I if mean- only because someone would accuse you of stealing. Yes. That, that would be my primary concern as a brown person is you don't go places you're not supposed to go because someone will accuse you of a crime you have not done. Exactly. And so, no. So she's in because she doesn't know that Burke owns the law. All she knows is that this is where Anthony has met this man. Right. And these conversations so she goes in and you know no one's in the main area or whatever she goes behind the desk she goes into the room behind the desk i do appreciate she sees that one door looks down those dark stairs and literally says nope and then turns around because i was like okay because i i'm glad we got a limit somewhere i would have revoked your whole black card had she gone down those dark ass stairs right but okay she didn't and to be fair to her (laughs) there was one lady in the laundrette she's just not paying attention she's reading with headphones on yeah and it's all glass faced yeah so theoretically you could walk right out and you or you could bang on the 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 wall and and people would see you right yes so i mean i i see where she gets her false sense of security Security, yeah and considering that she didn't grow up poor i guess i guess (laughs) maybe she just has less of a less of a sense of self-preservation but bert gets her yeah gets her right she the door gets locked which the door locking itself was Candyman mm-hmm. because we see it. No one closes the door. Nope. No visible hand turns the lock. But now she's locked in the back. And then Bert gets her. Yeah. <laughs> so this is where she wakes up in the church. And at this point, Anthony is no longer the main character. He is a device, like a storytelling yes. device, yes. which I thought worked really well. Because it's almost like at this point, Anthony becomes like the damsel in distress. Yes. And she becomes, you know, the wily protagonist. Right. And so she's trying to, um, so she's trying, so she's now tied up to this chair and they are in the church, yes. I think, in the church, which is the same church from the old one where Helen, not where Helen encountered Candyman. She encountered him in the bonfire, but it was a church in the old one. So they're in this church and Burke is telling her about like how he knew about the baby and Anthony's the baby and he's been waiting all these years for this baby to turn up. Also, did you know the baby's name? Like, how did you I have so many questions? But I guess if he grew up, he would know the baby's name. Was oh, Anthony. that's true. He would. That's true. That's right? true. Cause they, he would have been there in, in the neighborhood. So, um, this is where, this is my other storytelling issue. Yeah. So, um, my husband and I were talking about the movie and we were talking about Burke's motivation mm-hmm. for doing what he did uh, with, even though it's Anthony's fault that he said Candyman's name in the mirror and that he is possessed, let's just use the word, uh, for lack of a better term, possessed and becoming a Candyman now, it... Burke's motivation was like lost. And I figured out watching the movie that I think Burke's motivation for wanting Candyman to come back is that he is angry about how the rest of Cabrini is now gentrified. And he is feeling like if I bring Candyman back, because Candyman belongs to this community, that these white folks would be like, oh shit, they're killing folks out here and we'll leave. I think he's trying to create 
white flight specifically oh, in this area. That's really cool. I like that. Uh, I like that theory. And so my husband is big in movie group, like movie groups, or whatever. There are other people. He did not get that. But after telling him, he was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Because other than that, what is Burke's motivation? It's like he wants to bring back Candyman to the point where he cuts off Anthony's rotten hand and he's prepared with a hook to shove in there. To re- and he, puts on, he has this, that coat that he is purposely finishing the transformation of Anthony becoming Candyman. But why? Like, I don't think he ever gave a reason. And I was like, but you... It, it's not like you just randomly went crazy and chose this. Like, what is your, what was your catalyst, sir? And I think they, I think that's, that. I think that's a really good theory. I, I actually, I, now that you've said it, I subscribe to your theory hundred <laughs> percent. Because otherwise I was like, this just is, this is, this isn't this. Now the story is falling apart where you've got Burke. He knows Anthony is the baby that was taken by Candyman. He's been, he's look, he's glad this baby has come back. We're now coming full circle. Candyman, this baby came back. Candyman has entered him. However, through the bee sting, he is fit. And then he's like, I'm going to finish the transformation. I'm going to cut off this rotten hand. I'm going to put the hook in. I'm going to put the coat on you. And you are now the new Candyman. But he never says why. He tells us this history of candy. Isn't I think that's where we get the history of like all of these other black men who and there's one of them is a child. Yeah. All these other black males who have been wrongly murdered by the police or by white people and how each of them in their own time was the candy man of their time. And so he's trying to bring back the candy man from this time. But why? You definitely get the feeling that it is in some kind of retribution against this white state. Yes. But it isn't put in those specific terms where I think that you're right. If you think about it logically, like who has died? It's been art critic. Yes. Um, it's been an artist. It's been some white children, like yeah. little girls, white, yes. white girls. White girls. So, I mean, what are people going to do? They're going to look at this and go, oh, well, this isn't a place that's safe for artists or for families. Yes. And then they're going to move. And they're going to move. And I was like, you know, when you said that, it was like, click. Like, I, if that wasn't Nia DaCosta... Jordan Peele, who are definitely listening to this podcast, <laughs> if that wasn't your purpose, then it is now. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> or if there was some other purpose and maybe that got edited, maybe that's maybe bad that's editing. Maybe that's edited out too. Maybe that's bad editing. And so whatever purpose you, because I can't imagine yeah, what either else? of the, either Nia DaCosta or Peele creating this story and not not and leaving that piece out yeah like i just can't imagine that they let so maybe it got edited out right i don't know Or maybe we were supposed to take the implication that it was for white flight right but i i also but i feel like because some of the people i've heard complaining about it that's kind of the thing there is that they're like the story there was there was no there wasn't really a story right and it's like build this little piece that you needed yeah just yeah and i i mean i i I don't necessarily want for Burke to have literally just spilled it out like right. that. But there should have been... But yeah, but Burke could have used two more minutes of talking the same way that if the mom had yes. had like five more minutes talking, I feel like a lot of these weird, inconsequential things would would have made sense. But I also understand that it was probably a pacing thing. They didn't want to drag out that conversation right. with the mom when Anthony's literally rotting to death. Yes. They didn't want to drag out this conversation with Burke when Anthony's bleeding to death and, and <laughs> yes. poor poor Brianna's trying to cut herself free. Yeah. Like, it just it maybe was a little bit of a buzzkill pacing-wise. But yeah. um, just, it, 
It could have used a little more. A little more. I'm, I'm looking forward to the director's cut. Come on, Nia DaCosta. Ooh, yeah. Help us out. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so she manages to cut herself free. She's running. Burke's after her. She kills him with, man, I want 20 of those pens because how durable are um, those fucking yeah. pens? It's just a regular clicky pen. It's yes. like, it looks like one of those ones you get, you know, you go to a conference and they've yeah. got a pile the of pens. The freebie pens. The freebie pens. And freebie she stabs pens. this man like 30 times with this damn pen. <laughs> and that pen holds... Bro, sometimes I take my pens when I'm waitressing and I go to write and they just crumble in my hands. <laughs> I haven't done anything to them. They've just been sitting in my apron, but they just fall apart. <laughs> I can't, can you imagine stabbing and then just, it's uh, yeah. Uh, uh, just like, like, it, it didn't even leave. I would imagine like stabbing him and then leaving half in there. Yes. Because the other, nope. She murders that man yes. with an ink pen. And she stabs him so many times. So many times. Uh, <laughs> enough that, one of Anthony's final lines as himself is, I think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but that's another thing where Anthony shows up and she's like, I'm going to kill you too. And I was like, do you even like each other? Also, what, what again, you, like what? <sighs> this man has literally done nothing, nothing to, to you. you. You know, at this point he hasn't killed anyone that he was being framed to be murdered by the cops. By yes, Burke. you have witnessed him literally rotting from the hand up and you're you're gonna threaten him with your evil pen like she knows he wasn't he she knows he wasn't at the gallery to kill that the the guy at the gallery right he was they, with were, home. they were together like you know that he didn't do these things and yet here you are still afraid of your boyfriend who just had his hand chopped off like can we feel bad for the guy yeah well then she cuddles him when he passes out yes which from whatever. the blood loss it's too late it's too late. It's too late. Anyway, so the anyway. cops show up. Who called the cops? Had she called Burke. the cops? Burke called the cops. Oh, yes. Burke calls the cops because he needs Anthony wrongfully murdered by the cops yes. for the Candyman transformation to be complete. Yes. Yes, because that's the story is that all of these people, except, <laughs> yes, Anthony is wrongfully killed, but also Burke set him up to be killed. Yes. It's like not even, if, if you, and I can't even say, I mean, honestly... If I walked into, I don't know. So the police show, Burke is called the police. The police show up. Um, Anthony is there. Brianna is there. <laughs> there is Burke dead on the ground. And the first thing the cops do is like, they grab her first. No, they no, shoot Anthony They in shoot her Anthony, right. They shoot Anthony first. He is... Well, not unarmed because he does have a hook hand, but like, but he's on the ground, he's on the ground, pa practically passed out. Yes. Uh, in her lap. How she didn't get shot in the legs. I don't know. I don't know. I think she, cause he doesn't even sit up. Mm -mm. Like they literally shoot him. Yeah. I don't know how she wasn't shot either. Which I, I appreciate that there were interesting framings for the deaths. Like we got to see a death in a compact. We got to yes. see the death from zoomed out of a building yeah. through a window. Like there were, and there were a lot of cool things. And I appreciate that I didn't have to watch this man get shot and choke on his own blood. Like no. they, I do appreciate that, but the logistics of him laying in her lap while he gets shot a bunch of times and her being okay and also not splattered with blood was weird. Yeah. Like she got a little on her hand after she touches him. But, but right. Like, we were too close for that. Yeah. I feel. I feel like they should have like dragged her away and then done the yes. shit and then just focused on her. Cause I still didn't want to see it. No, they, they, the camera only focuses on her. So you don't really, you hear him getting shot. You see her reaction to it, but you don't see him getting shot. Which I appreciate. I'm but fine. like, yes, but I, I feel like logistically they should have moved her first. Yes. And then, so they, so they shoot Anthony 
uh, it's 20-some shots. He's clearly dead. He's long dead before they finish shooting. So they shoot Anthony. Um, they cuff her, put her in the back of a car. Some uh, things happen that we don't see because we, as a viewer, are following her. Yes. And then one of the cops gets into the front seat of the car, and he begins talking to Brianna about what just happened. And he gives her the version of the story that they want, which is that... Um, you know, Anthony was, you know, was, had a weapon and was threatening and the police had to shoot him because he was going to attack him and she doesn't speak, but she does make a face like, come on, we both know that's bullshit. And he's like, well, we could say that both of you have done all these murders and you're his accomplice and you, that you've been helping him. And then you go to the jail for the rest of your life. And she's like, well, I'd also don't want that. It's like, what what do you choose? Do you condemn... Well, I mean, one, you're condemning your already dead boyfriend. Right. Like, so it's not like he's gonna... It's not like you can save him. Yeah. He's already dead. But also, who's gonna believe that he didn't do all these murders? Yeah. When they... He's in the news as having a hook hand. Right. So Brianna does not choose herself. She still, in her way, in the only way possible, chooses him. Yes. Because she asks... So she's like, I'll say whatever you want. Just let me see myself in the mirror. And see, I disliked that. Yes. Because she's next to a glass. I dislike it because it breaks the lore. Because if you say his name, he's supposed to kill you. But, I, I, but it also, every iteration of the Candyman story is slightly different. Like how Helen's version is a version of the Candyman story. Okay. And so I felt like... Each ghost kind of gets to influence it a little bit, which okay. you see because she says it five times. And it almost seems like she doesn't care if she dies She's, too. Yes. She's just like, whatever. I didn't like her asking to see the mirror because I thought it was weird and it just broke things up. Yeah. And I guess the, the tension was supposed to be like, oh, will the cop let her see? Like she's next to a, a glass, which is how Anthony summoned Candyman. Yeah. They weren't next to a mirror. They were next to the glass window. Yeah. And it would have been just a really good echo if she had kind of looked over and just said it to herself, right, and then the this thing happened, right. as opposed to her needing a white man to help her do it. Yes. That was weird for me. Mm -hmm. Didn't like mm -hmm. it. So she asked the cop to turn the rear view so she can see herself, and he's like, what? Okay, whatever. And then I didn't like that pacing either because I can't believe that he would have let her say that five times. From his point of view, the cop's point of view, she's being super weird. Yeah, and not even like a, not even in a supernatural thing, but kind of like, okay, that's enough. And he does move the mirror. So then she doesn't even maintain eye contact no. the whole time. No. Because by the time we, because we only see the guy through the mirror as like a dehumanizing thing. Yeah. Um, which is fine. I just didn't, I just, she, why did we not use the window? Did, right. Was it hard to shoot? Like, could we, did we keep getting the, because it's in a car, maybe we kept getting the maybe reflection. Maybe because we could see the camera person. Yeah, maybe. but I feel like it would have been a lot better if she had just used the reflection. Yeah. Um, or even had him get out of the car and then she moves to where she could see herself. Mm. I just needed her to do it and not have a man set it up for her. Yeah. I didn't like that. Didn't like that. Um, but then, you know, it, you get that nice little <laughs> revenge thing where right. you get to hear all the cops being murdered. Yeah. And Anthony pops up and as Candyman walks around the car. God, I love this shot. Love it. Every reflective surface, each window and the, uh, shows a different iteration yeah, of, of Candyman. Candy yeah, it was so good. <sighs> so good. And so because the last iteration of Candyman is Anthony, mm -hmm. he chooses not to kill her. Yes. So he takes his revenge on the others, 
and not on her. I guess maybe for the spirit of how she summoned him. Kind right. of like how Helen summons Candyman in that psychiatrist's office. Oh, in yes, two, exactly like that. And he only kills the psychiatrist, not her. Yes. I mean, he's still fucking things up for her. <laughs> right. Because she's now framed for murdering this dude, but he I didn't mean, hurt her. Brianna's running around, was about to run out of the projects in handcuffs. You don't look innocent. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Brianna... Gets out of the car and starts running, which first of all, let me tell you, at that point, stay in the car, girl. Oh, some crazy person came out right, with a hook. I'm in I've the, been handcuffed, handcuffed in the time. back of a cop car. Clearly, I didn't do this. Right, I'm, I got no blood on me. And we already know Anthony's not going to kill you. The, the only danger in town isn't going to kill you. Right. So, so just, just stay there, shut up, get a good lawyer. Yeah. Right. Anyway, <laughs> so she doesn't, though. She gets out of the car and she runs out. Running through the blood and shit. Yep. <laughs> and uh, she sees him kill the last cop. Yes. And then it becomes Tony Todd. Tony Todd. Yeah. And he says, tell everyone. Now, tell that, this everyone. is the thing everyone hated because they were like, well, is she going to go to jail? Is she going to tell everybody the legend? Is she going to tell people that it's a legend? Is she going to like curate Obviously, an art thing? she's supposed to tell everyone that Candyman is back, bitches, and get right. your white asses out of town. Just <laughs> Right. And so if she starts talking about how this crazy thing is happening and everyone's like, well, maybe that's not right, but all these white people did die. Yes. You know, maybe we should move. Like that, I, it makes sense for the story. I like ambiguous endings, especially ambiguous endings where the f- survivor might go to jail forever. I don't know. I like it. I, I don't like them always, but they're rare enough. Yeah. But they're kind of a treat. <laughs> and Brianna was enough of a bitch that I can be like, well. Yeah. Well. Well. And the issue is that the, the, the urban legend has died because Cabrini was, Cabrini was gentrified. All of these people who have moved in now don't know the story, including Anthony, who should have known the story from childhood. And even the brother is getting it wrong because his story is all about Helen Lyle, not yes, about not about Daniel. Dan- not about right, not about Daniel Robitaille at all. So the legend has died. And so this urban legend, she's going to bring the urban legend back to life, which will bring Candyman back to life because that's how urban that's what gives urban legends life. Is there is the story is the is the oral storytelling aspect, which is also a very strong prevalent like aspect of black culture is ori or is the oral storytelling passing our history passing our stories like through word of mouth like that piece of our culture died in that area and now she's going to tell everyone and she's going to bring it back and you know helen's story becoming the Candyman story is basically like urban legend gentrification because now it's a white woman's story instead of the story of this black man who just fell in love with the wrong person anyway anyway <laughs> that was Candyman. we really enjoyed it i really love you that. haven't seen it i do recommend it i think it's really good uh yes. give it a shot give it a shot yeah it was very good i loved it all right well thanks for listening and until next time thanks for listening <laughs>